Hello and welcome to Radical Embodiment. This is Emily Wishall. I am your host. I am a certified rolfer. I am an embodiment coach and I am the author of the book Radical Embodiment, a practical guide to celebrating the skin you're in. And this is my podcast. We are here in season three. We will have 12 episodes coming out every single Monday. And the way that this season will work is I'm kind of doing a back and forth, meaning the first episode is me in a solo episode, and then the next week is an interview. So basically every other week, one, you'll get me diving into a specific topic, and then the following week, I will be interviewing somebody in the embodiment, in the personal growth world. My intention, my focus with my work with this podcast is really to support in shifting the narrative that a woman's worth or her enoughness is tied into her weight or her physical appearance. And I believe the pathway to shift that, to shift the societal, cultural conditioning that most of us been accustomed to is through the pathway of embodiment, is through the pathway of being in our body. And so my offering with this podcast is tips, suggestions, practices from guests of mine, stories from guests of mine, my own stories, personal accounts to help support you in your own radically embodied journey. If you're curious to find out more about my work, you can go to radicalembodiment.com. I offer private one-on-one coaching for women who are interested in releasing body shame, who feel insecure, ashamed in their body, who are ready to stop the body hate for good and ready to truly learn to celebrate the skin they're in. So you can go to my website or set up a call with me there to find out more. So now let's go to today's episode. I'm happy you're here. Hello and welcome to season three, episode 10. I'm your host, Emily Wishall, and I am delighted today. I just finished the interview. Um, Today I'm bringing you someone who's a dear friend of mine and who is my very own rolfer, Alex Firm. Alex is a certified rolfer. She's an artist and yoga teacher. Um, she, her artwork is under Flamingo Medusa Arts, and you should definitely check it out. She makes really beautiful paintings, screen printed clothing, um, hilarious greeting cards, and she even has a coloring book. Um, You can find out more. All the links will be in the show notes, but Alex really has this beautiful gift and niche of bringing together the worlds of our body and body work through rolfing, through movement and yoga, and incorporating also then from that artist perspective um, through her artwork. And she has amazing work, so you'll check it out. And I, this episode is way a little more casual um, than they often are because she is a friend and you'll hear that. And um, I think it actually makes it really relatable is, is my hopeful intention. Um, so I hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone. It's Emily Wishell, your host. I'm here with my dear friend and my rolfer, Alex Firm. Alex, thank you for, for being here. Thanks for doing this with me. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. This is is fun. (laughs) Before I hit record, I actually got really hyped up just talking with Alex and I had to like take a deep breath and bring myself. (laughs) 
Um, so I want to start and kick off our conversation with having you share what embodiment means to you. Okay. Um, okay. So the quick answer, Mm -hmm. um, embodiment means to me, it means so many things to me, but the overall arching theme for me is being able to connect to my body's wisdom in any given moment and maybe see the truth of the situation past my own biases or um, preconditions mm-hmm. and just really like being in my own skin, like in a way where I'm uh, able to show up as like my wisest, most present self. I love that. I especially appreciate how you um, named that to see the truth in a situation beyond your own biases. Yeah. Yeah. And did you, it sounds like you have a longer definition too, which I love <laughs> to hear a lot of folks do. So what is it? <laughs> I mean, gosh, it's like, I know what it isn't. Right. That's where I always start is like, I'm start really with not that. embodied what is- right now. Right. Like reactive I'm angry I want to burn something down you know like I'm pissed (laughs) you know me I can get a little fiery and and that like moving ahead of myself and ahead of the moment and Mm -hmm. I'm totally out of my body Mm -hmm. and it's not the best it's not it's an exhausting place to be it's so tiring for me and um you know, when you come back to your body and see everybody's faces around you, like it's just a sad place too. So I've spent my whole life trying to be more embodied so that I can be um, kinder to myself and kinder to others. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, was that too much? <laughs> no, no. I think that was like beautiful. And I mean, it actually made me curious of those moments of when you feel yourself leaving your body or, you know, you're angry and you're getting ahead of yourself, what is that sensation that you experience in those? If you're able to articulate that, you know, like, I, I think it's funny with my practice with embodiment through the years, I I think I have more awareness even in that moment when I'm flying out of myself. So it feels like that. It feels like flying out of myself. (laughs) Yeah. But scary and very ungrounded there's an exhilaration to it for Mm -hmm. sure. Um, but it's really not conducive to like being in relationship or running a successful business or, (laughs) or anything, you know, like making art, any of the things I want to do. It's not. Yeah. So embodiment for me is like finding my home in the moment. Yeah. Awesome. And do you mind sharing and kind of walking us through your own personal story and journey of, of embodiment and the layers and. um... Yeah. Um, So as a kiddo um, growing up, I mean, it goes way back for me. Mm -hmm. And as a kiddo, my, my childhood was not a situation where one would really want to like be in the body. Do you know what I mean? There was a lot of, um, just a lot of, uh, stress. And, and I'm talking about this anger that I have. Well, that goes back to my childhood, a lot of fighting, a lot of verbal abuse and stuff like that. So early on, I learned really well how to be out of my body, mm-hmm. you know, 
and mm-hmm. in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is a really but, smart strategy. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, and I still do that sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. it is, it's part of who I am even to this day, but um, my mom, you know, who had some mental illness, she taught me early on that like exercise and movement was so therapeutic for her. And so even though a lot of times she was the source of me wanting to fly out of my body, she also gave me this gift mm-hmm. of embodiment and we would go for runs. And when I was 11, I started up martial arts and I got really into that. And um, that was all like your body's a temple, you're mm. um, just in the movements were so appropriate for the time because I had a lot of anger, honestly. So it was like this really constructive uh you know, vehicle for that. Mm. And I did that all the way through high school. And it, so that and my art were like, what got me through my, you know, my teen years and into college. Um, but I have always turned to movement and, and, and being in my body and moving my body for all of my mental health stuff. Like that's been my main go-to. Um, Cause then in college, I dealt with a lot of anxiety and depression and I didn't even know, I didn't even know that's what it was, but you just get to feeling strange, you know, and mm-hmm. I would go for a run or I would go to a karate class or I would go, I didn't discover yoga until later. I thought yoga was really boring. <laughs> well, um, I love, it's amazing that movement was such a key piece in we oh, yeah. In your yeah, life and amazing starting martial arts at the age of 11 as a, as a as a young girl it's incredible I see that as a turning point for me you know it mm-hmm. gave me something to like have in my core you know and mm-hmm. connect to myself even when like it was crazy you know like stuff at home was nuts yeah. so that's my that's the beginning of it for me and then I got out of art school I went to art school and then I got out of that and I became a yoga teacher and through yoga then I really started to dig into like you know how do I heal myself you know like I knew I didn't feel good I knew I wasn't I just didn't feel right you know and it all did circle back to embodiment and connecting to my body always Mm. like that's where the healing was every single time Mm. um and then I became a rolfer 14 years ago and 14 years ago no, no, sorry. It was 2014. My brain just, it was almost 10 years ago. <laughs> you You're like, you were already hey. going to correct yourself. I was just having this moment of like, shit, am I wrong on my day? <laughs> like, no, no, it was 2014. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I became wrong. And that was this whole like other layer of embodiment, you know? And um, what led you to Rolfing? the same thing that led me to yoga and I got me Mm -hmm. into martial arts. It was this push for healing and um, just to feel more comfortable in my own skin. And Mm -hmm. I had a friend, Jackie Ames, who had gone off to become a rolfer the year before I did. And anytime she would talk about it, I would have like little bells in my head go off. Like, Mm -hmm. like, I was like, like, that's the thing. That's the thing you need to go do next. And so I really listened to that. And I uprooted my whole life and I moved to Colorado and I met you and I started rolfing school. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember that Alex and I started, we graduated at different times. I graduated later, but we started our rolfing training together and it was the fall of 2013. 
and Boulder, mm-hmm. Colorado. We'd been mm-hmm. here. I mean, maybe you looked here a little before, but I had been in Boulder two weeks, two, three weeks. And then the flood of 2013 happened where if you're not local, to, if you're local to Boulder, you remember this, if you're not, you might not, but the whole town completely flooded. Like I was living East in town, like, so not directly off the mountains and in a townhouse in my bedroom was flooded to like up to my knees. I remember thinking and talking to students and being like, I thought Boulder was supposed to be sunny. That's one of the reasons I was excited to live here. Like, I don't understand what's happening. It was very, it was an odd time. Dude, yes. And I was right there. And somehow where we were living, it wasn't, it wasn't flooded, but it was flooded all around us. Oh, you were in, and okay. I thought you were seeing you were in. I was in. I was in North Boulder at the time for that mm. phase one, mm-hmm. and it flooded. And honestly, like the move, talk about embodiment. I was really out of my body when I moved here. Like, yeah. freaked out, and I didn't really understand the severity of the flood at the time until after the fact. Like, I was mm. just so like, "What the hell is happening?" But I, mean, I do I, remember. I, yeah, go. I was gonna say my I house remember. was flooded and I didn't understand this. I mean, I did and I didn't know it was a disembodied experience. So is that like I wonder I'm curious about that. I wonder if that's a bit of a coping mechanism that we all have is to be a little like totally disembodied, right? During traumatic events. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Our, our Not a psychologist system. here, but <laughs> she's dropping, she's dropping <laughs> it in. No, I mean it is. I mean, um, because our nervous systems want to need to keep us safe. We're in a traumatic experience. We have to cope. We have to move. We have to live. We have to, you know, maybe do some hard things. And I think to understand the severity of it might just knock us out. Because just kept going to class, right? Like, I think maybe did, class did, got, really. I think maybe class was canceled like one day or something, but we just kept going. I forgot about that. I thought, like, why didn't, I forgot we, yeah, we didn't really miss school at all. Did we? Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think okay, so. Okay. I don't want us and... to go on too much of a hole, but I'm like, wow. I, I'm yeah. So, um, how was your experience of, you know, going into Rolfing school, being new and bolder, you completely uprooted your life. You had a young child and, um, I guess, yeah, the more as was it through learning, you know, going at the Rolf Institute, which is now, what is it now? The Dr. Ida Rolf Institute. I'll be correct. Um, (laughs) But, but yeah, was it, was it partially going in the training? Was it also receiving work in that period of time? Kind of how, how did your own relationship with your body and your relationship even was with the word embodiment, which maybe you weren't using then, but how did that shift or evolve? I think I was already headed in this direction, but the Rolfing training, especially some of the movement stuff that we learned either in, I think it was phase two, yeah, um, really impacted me. And I soaked it up like a sponge, just this idea that it's not about like using your body as a tool. It's not about doing with your body. It's like feeling it and feeling it in a deeper way. And what can you sense in this more? Like, can you feel your pants against your legs? And can you feel your feet in your shoes? And, and just these more subtle things. Cause I have been searching, searching, searching for mental, emotional, and physical healing, you know, since I was 11, <laughs> basically. And I was getting after it by like, 
I read Iyengar and he told me if you did headstand, you would achieve enlightenment mm. or whatever. And like, that wasn't fucking happening. I wasn't, mm. I wasn't, they're like, these are the gifts of triangle pose. And I was like, no, it's not happening for me. And I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it and mm. hurting myself. And mm. I think the rolfing training really shifted my perspective to like this, what do they call it? Intero interoception, mm -hmm. interoception, that like feeling from the inside. And once I felt that, I was like, holy shit, I've spent all this money <laughs> and all this time and I've sweated and I've moved and I, you know, meditate, all this stuff. And I was like, that's great. You did that. And good job. And like, it's this very simple, profound thing where if you just stop and feel the movement of your breath. Or even right now while I'm talking to you, I'm like, I can feel my t-shirt on my shoulders. And it's just kind of like, there's something so um, calming about that for me that I so deeply needed in life. Yeah. And I still need I like, like every day, even right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, when you were going through like the pants and the shoes, I don't have shoes and I have socks on examples. I was noticing and just doing it in my own body. And I'm like, oh yeah, that feels nice. Like that feels Isn't good. It, nice? it helps us bring us more and more into the present, more and more into the present. And I don't think this journey of embodiment of any of it is, is snap your fingers, you're done. It's a constant, consistent choice. And I say that time and time again, but I think it's important to reiterate. And especially in our world today that it's faster and faster and there's all sorts of traumas and injustices constantly going on that it really revs and revs us up and taking us out of ourselves. So the more we can even, I think that I love that you gave the examples of the articles of clothing on your body, because it's such a tangible tactile feedback that unless you're walking around naked, um, which is also <laughs> lovely, but if you are walking around naked, you're probably having a nice blissful embodied experience in the sun or somewhere warm. That's what I'm imagining. <laughs> Otherwise you likely have clothing on and, and that's really helpful, right? It, it's, it's, you know, a kind of part of humans in our culture is we wear clothes and anyone can access to feeling the clothes on their skin, which is such a great entry point into yeah. your body. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels for me, it just feels really secure, you know, mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm feeling the boundaries of my clothes, mm -hmm. you know, like yeah. I, that works for me. I like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and talking about this, I'm going to add one more piece to embodiment, which mm -hmm. is coming up for me as we're speaking. Um, I guess maybe it's a side effect of embodiment but knowing what you want in any given moment and what you want to do and what you don't want to do. And when I, and the example that popped into my mind is when I came to Rolfing into the school, I had no problem walking around in my underwear in front of everyone mm. because I was totally dissociated in that moment. I wasn't there, mm. you know? And when I get in my body now, I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. I will be wearing clothes, you know, like, <laughs> So I, I just think like that for me is this little moment of like, I'm embodied and I know what I want right now. And I want to wear shorts and a tank top to my rolling session. I don't want to be in my bra and underwear. Amazing. You can discern and feel your, your full yes or your, or your hell no. And uh -huh. I actually really love yeah. that you brought that up because I think it's key because I, I personally, why I think of the more we, when we can feel into ourselves and be in our body 
that's when we can name how we feel. That's when we can actually name like other than, oh, I'm tired. I'm fine. I'm good. Like underneath the surface, how do you really feel? And I believe it's through knowing how we feel that we can navigate what it is we want, what it is in that we need, then we can vocalize and name that. But I don't, I think if we don't know how we feel, we don't, we don't know what we really want. We're just like, oh, okay. I'm, you know, we're more easily swayed and pushed all directions and then feeling burnt out or exhausted or like Completely. we said yes to something that we actually like feels icky and yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I was a hell no to wearing brawn underwear, but I, I did it. And I did disassociate to walk in my back then. Underwear. I write about it actually in my book. Um, I know. I think that's why. And I now I'm it. like, so just, yeah, I'm in my brawn underwear. I feel great. Yeah. <laughs> so we're yeah. different, but there's no yeah, right I, or wrong. Yeah. I just read that in your book. I think that's what made me think of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I know if you don't mind kind of going into this, you had alluded kind of in our text and messagings, kind of this is body image specifically as a current um, topic for you personally. Um, Do you mind sharing just kind of what are you noticing thoughts or feelings kind of what's, what's happening for you? Well, it's interesting. It's, it's coming at me from the outside in. So I'm noticing when I talk to my friends, many of my friends are having body image issues right now. They all feel like they need to lose 20 pounds or, um, you know, just a lot of conversations about that with my women friends, like wait, it's almost. And then I went to go visit my parents and I watched like, my dad doesn't eat much. Like, and it triggered me. And I noticed that, you know, I was like, wow, he's not eating anything. And, um, so I've been sitting with myself cause I'm like, oh, well, wait, where do I land on this? And I'm noticing, and you say this in your book, like a good percentage of my thoughts and it's like background sound. I'm not always aware of it, but it's like the background buzz is all about losing 15 pounds, you know? Mm-hmm. And when I think about myself, let's say in rolfing school, I was 20 pounds lighter than I thought I needed to lose 15 pounds back then too. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, interesting. What what's happening here, you know? And I've just been sitting with like what of that is actually mine? Mm. Like that you know, it, a lot of it feels very foreign. Like you're ta- you you talk about it in your book. I love I've read the first two chapters, but like the societal stuff is heavy duty toxic and I don't think anybody is immune to it. And you it made me kind of giggle when you wrote me your email, like you're so confident in your body, you might not have any body issues. And I was like, well, I I think I do. I just, I just am not always conscious of it. But when I tune in Mm. and I become more embodied, I'm like, Ooh, I spent a lot of time thinking about it and too much energy goes to it, Mm -hmm. you know? So with those currently one, I just also just want to express my gratitude and appreciation that you're openly vulnerably sharing something that you're currently noticing and dealing with. That's a really beautiful gift you're giving to anyone who's listening. Um, So what have you been playing with? What have you found supporting you as you, when you tune in and are noticing those thoughts, what's helping you shift it? What's helping you come back instead of from that outside in to the inside out or. um... Mm -hmm. So a couple of things. Um, of course, eating healthy feels better, right? Like, so making those choices as much as I can to eat in a way that I know will make me feel good. 
Mm-hmm. Um, my whole thing, and again, since I was 11, is just feeling better mentally, emotionally, physically. And like food absolutely contributes to that. And I know it. So that's number one. And it does actually help these sort of negative thoughts, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I focus too on everything my body can do, you know? Like I could go outside right now and run three miles. And that's amazing. Like, that's amazing. Right. I know. And I just went right. I did weight training in the middle of the day. Like I focus on the strength of my body, you know, like I love my body. I really do. Like the truth of me is, and has always been that I love my body and it's so capable and it can do so many different things. And it is a vehicle like for my own healing and helping others. And it's just amazing. So I really try to shift my focus when I notice those thoughts. Mm-hmm. And then the final thing is I have this friend and she's a mother of three. Mm-hmm. And the other day I asked her to go shopping with me and it was really therapeutic because it was so fun. Cause you know how mm-hmm. those mirrors are, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they're sort of horrifying. The they're, hor- they're horrifying. It's always the worst lighting. <laughs> <laughs> the lighting sucks. It's the mirrors like, suck. <laughs> like, it's not, they're not truth telling mirrors. They're like, I'm going to make you look worse. So you want to buy more stuff or buy something else, you know, that you isn't going to help you. I don't know what the tactic is there, but it, it I don't, yeah, I don't actually know if what I said is it true, seems, but yeah. No, no, it seems intentional. Cause it's like the worst mirrors ever. And so I brought my friend with me and she was next door in the next door dressing room. And she's like, I just want to get something that fully embraces my mom pooch. And I was like, God, that's awesome. You know, like, yes. like I don't, she's my, only female friend that would say something like that everyone else is trying to lose 20 pounds you know and this friend she's like what are they trying to do like you know like what is the end game here like are we trying to be happy and live in our bodies or are we trying to like look good in a bikini and why like you know like what (laughs) so we just had so much fun shopping and I got a ton of clothes that I was happy with and it felt so therapeutic you know, mm-hmm. just to go and have fun with the shopping experience instead of going and, you know, having a dreary old time. Yeah. Yeah. I think I love what you said. It's actually, it's kind of different than sometimes what I may have expected you to say, or what folks may say, but like food movement and then shopping. And I want to go a little bit into each. And I think even just how you name food, you know, when you eat well, or you know, what foods for you help you feel good. And What I want to highlight and everything that you languaged is, is it's coming from how you want to feel mentally, emotionally, and physically. It's not coming from because I want to look a certain way because I want to lose these 15 pounds because, or, you know, ultimately I think either those, because thoughts, the operating umbrella is because something's wrong with me is where the motivation would come from which is a very different energy and relationship with food versus I want to eat this food because I want to enjoy it because it helps me. It makes me feel good. It helps me feel vital. Um, right. That's yeah. where I consciously try to stay. And of course I go to the other place too, that I think we all yeah. go to where, you know, that other place where you make choices around food, maybe from the more dysfunctional place. And, mm-hmm. um, but right now I'm on a kick maybe because this was coming up and it's just been in the air with my, the women around me, this, mm-hmm. the body image stuff. And it's, it, I would say for like the past six weeks, it's really been up for me. So this was well-timed, Emily. Yeah. Yeah. Our timing is cool. divine. Um, we are. 
just going to celebrate ourselves on this podcast. Just, uh, we're just we're awesome. really good at doing. You're always, whenever I'm with you, I'm always like, you're my best cheerleader. Um, what I actually really like, I don't know if it was you or your friend in that story that you shared of, I think it was your friend, but how you said that she said of like, okay, they want to lose 20 pounds, but why? Like, is it goal to be happy or is it to look a certain way? Is it to look a certain way? I, I like just that kind of, but why? Yeah. You know, because there's nothing innately wrong with, of course, there's nothing wrong with wanting to lose weight. There's nothing wrong with wanting to right. no. look a certain way. And it's the, but why, what is the motivation behind that desire, that goal? And I think that's a slippery slope. And it's not like, I think it's like when you have a goal or working towards something, it's great to continually looking at that motivating factor. Um, and can it come from, I love how you started us off with that inside out. Can it come from, from the inside because you want to help elicit a feeling because there's something that, you know, when you do this action, when you feel this way in your body, it helps elicit this feeling of, of happiness, of joy, and not coming from outside in of, because then I'll be more, people will like me better. I'll get more approval. I'll, I'll be able to put, put that Instagram photo of me on the bikini and it'll get so much more likes or. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, Yeah. And totally. easier said than done, but it's important Completely. to name language. And I love how you, we're all human. And this, like for me, you know, I was raised in like diet culture. My mom and I used to buy everything diet-free, sugar-free, fat-free. Now I'm like, those are some shitty foods that were not healthful that we were buying. And if I notice some of those thoughts coming up, it's we can take a, take a breath, take a moment. You know, it doesn't mean you're wrong or you don't love your body. It just means, oh, huh, what is, what is this? Why is that present? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, completely. Yeah. I just have so much. I just feel like my heart aching for all of my female friends, mm. like all of them across the, including me too, yeah. you know, that we yeah. have to hold this yucky programming, you know, in our bodies and, uh, you know, you just never know what's going to happen too in your life day to day. And if that's what we're going to focus on, you know, it's like, are we missing the beauty of our own lives? So I really am motivated to, you know, do as much healing around that as I can. And mm-hmm. it's a sticky one. It's, it's a sticky, sticky one. But I think mm-hmm. we can un- unwind it. So we're not so yeah. trapped behind mm-hmm. it. So it's not taking so much of our energy. Completely. And you can put it toward other things. Like you said, like rolfing, um, like the fascia. <laughs> Segway. <laughs> We're doing good. We're doing good on time, I think. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> We're doing just fine. But, but I, I, I want to talk about Rolfing structural integration, and um, okay. I think I just want to start. What do you? What is Rolfing to you? It's like maybe I don't want you to put you on the spot. I put you on a big question, but I actually feels like an important segue, even in this conversation to me of like body image and loving our body and, le- and learning how to be more from the inside out. And, um, yeah, yeah. I know it was completely. a huge catalyst in, in my relationship with my body has been completely significant, continues to be whether I'm receiving or giving, giving is such a grounding experience. Yeah, it is. It is. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's all the same stuff we've been saying, actually, like right now I'm imagining working with somebody and you contact their tissue and you feel the response and it's like meeting and listening and holding space for whatever comes up with that interaction, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and my approach, I try to approach it with just a ton of curiosity 
and love, you know, and, and just not the outside in, not the trying Mm -hmm. to fix it. It's more like all of this healing work for me is like, I'm having coffee with a friend, like I'm having coffee with you and you're telling me all your biz and I'm listening. And that, that for me is so unwinding and healing, whether you're talking about an emotional thing or a stuck shoulder or you name it. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's where the healing is, whether I'm working with someone else or I'm working with myself. Mm. Yeah. It's a nice analogy that you're having coffee with a friend. Yeah. That works for me that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I'm not giving my friend a bunch of advice, you know, like right. I'm just listening. <laughs> now because, here, Alex, because here's you know what, what you need do. to do. Did you I know? Hate, <laughs> I hate that. And all the people close to me know I hate it. I hate it. I girl. I'm like, can you just ask permission if I'm looking for advice or if I just need someone to listen? Because I but, will ask for advice. Sometimes you do mm-hmm. ask for advice and that's, that's a different thing. But I just have found so much immense healing myself and with my clients that are like ready for that. Just this listening, you know, you're a beautiful listener. I've received, I've been grateful to get to receive from you. I don't know how long now. Um, 14 years, Emily. (laughs) Yeah, I guess, I guess we were, we were together before we were together in the physical um, (laughs) aspect, but I, and I, I like that you keep coming back to that listening because listening, it requires us to slow down mm-hmm. and to feel into what is presently being related, whether we are in an interpersonal with another relationship connection, or I'd love how you even said it when you, with yourself, when you're working on some of your own inner healing, looking at it the same as like having coffee with a friend, uh, I think helps bring some of the charge out like a little less charge and maybe make it a little easier to be with some of these things that are uncomfortable um to be able to increase our capacity to slow down and listen yeah I you know and when I'm really in the depths of darkness where I definitely go at times and I'm being really hard on myself yeah I imagine what I would do if I was my friend you know and I just try to like flip it in my mind and it, it works, you know, it might not work right that second. I might need to lie down and take a nap, but it works. Yeah. And maybe you would tell your friend to take a nap or go cuddle well, your friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Completely. <laughs> just lie down. Just go ahead and lie down for a minute. You'll be fine. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Hey, it's Emily, and I wanted to interrupt this episode to let you know about a free gift that I have called Stop the Body Hate for Good and Celebrate the Skin You're In. So are you trapped in an exhaustive mental loop of feeling unhappy in your body? If so, I see, hear, and feel you. I know what it's like to be stuck in that cycle of body hate. And my beautiful friend, I'm here to tell you, it is time to free yourself for good. It's time to say goodbye to wasting energy on worrying about your physical appearance. It's time to say goodbye to adjusting your clothes and or sucking in your stomach. It's time to say goodbye to any and all effort to try and make yourself look smaller or bigger. 
time to say goodbye to any and all attempts to receive others' approval based on appearances. The only thing these types of incessant, harsh, and judgmental thought loops do is drain you and rob you of your life force. Despite the cultural delusion that a woman's worth is tied to her weight and physical appearance, you have the power to stop the body hate. My mission is to change that collective narrative that keeps you stuck in a mental loop of feeling bad about your body and empower you to take complete ownership of you. Learning to be in your body is the key in slowing this train down and coming into a state of love, gentleness, understanding, and complete acceptance, just as you are. So Stop the Body Hate, How to Stop the Mental Loop of Feeling Bad About Your Body will guide you to being fully in your body, bringing your power back within you, will guide you to stop trying to fix any discomfort through external means. It will guide you to halt the vicious thoughts that keep you stuck and will guide you into a state of ease and presence. This free practice includes a guided audio practice, which is a meditation where I take you on a journey bringing you into your body and slowing down that negative mental thought train. It also includes a step-by-step detailed PDF, which will support you in changing the narrative and catch the unhealthy thought patterns quickly to help you make an empowered choice of how you feel and view your body. It's with deep love that I share this nourishing practice with you. And I hope it serves you well, and I hope you take advantage of it. So if you'd like to take advantage and receive the radical embodiment, the um, how to stop the body hate, go to my website, radicalembodiment.com, and you can click the page that says free gift, or you can go directly to radicalembodiment.com forward slash free hyphen gift hyphen page. So it's radicalembodiment.com forward slash free hyphen gift hyphen page. And from that page, you can put in your name and your email, and then the audio and PDF will automatically be sent to your inbox. So I hope that this is a supportive practice for you, and I hope you take advantage of it. Now back to the episode. So, um, Alex, when you were sharing to you what, what rolfing is to you, it it was really, it felt really beautiful. And I I felt like personally touched and being that I'm a rolfer and have received rolfing, I have, you know, a a reference for that. So I I am curious if it's possible for you, you know, in an audio, um, over a podcast, but for someone who hasn't ever received rolfing or isn't familiar with it, but is curious about this idea of wanting to lean into coming more from the inside out or wanting to lean into, you know, if they're having some uncomfortable emotions or they're noticing, Hey, Alex, I relate to your friends, you know, I want to lose those 20 pounds and all of this sounds great ladies. And like, how can I more readily choose to lean in and like, as though I'm having coffee with a friend. I know that's such a great question because it sounds super simple. Mm -hmm. And then in a way 
it's not right because every person's so different and coming from so many different backgrounds I guess yeah just any thoughts or suggestions on that I don't want to put you two on the spot I realize it's a it's a big big question I'm asking a lot I think it's Um, a really good question and I, I like to think about it and you know the way that I approach it with clients or whether or if I'm working with yoga students is I kind of gauge where to meet them based on what they're saying and their words and like how their bodies look. And, you know, a lot of people come to rolfing expecting that really heavy handed touch. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they need that right to feel grounded and to feel like something's happening. Like they, they need something's working if it, you know, if they really feel it. And so I do work that way too you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but then we might have a moment after I've given them all those elbows, you know, they might, <laughs> we might have a moment where I just hold maybe at the knee, the top and the bottom. And I just say, feel the space between my hands after they've settled, after their nervous system has settled enough to be, even be able to do that. Right. Cause mm-hmm. it is sort of advanced what we're talking about in a way it is a more subtle mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But anyone can feel it. And people are amazed. Like I had a woman say to me, she's 60 years old. And she said, I've never felt anything like this in my whole life, Alex. I never, I didn't think I was going to have any more firsts. You oh, know? I love that. And it was so cool. I was like, yeah. awesome. You know, I mean, I'm not trying to even go for that, but like, it was just so neat to work with her. And so I don't know if that answers your question, but I guess that's my approach to working with clients. I try to gauge my end goal is this kind of inside out thing, but of course, most people are operating in the outside in. So I gear toward that too. And then try to throw in some of these inside out moments. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? No, it, it does. <laughs> and I think to relate it to somebody who's maybe not walking into a raw thing session or isn't going to, you know, have the ability to, to receive that. And but still is wanting to play with this outside in inside out idea and theme. When you were speaking of like, you know, sometimes you might meet somebody with more heavy hands so they can feel something so they can ground what, what came to me and when registered is yeah. Sometimes you just need to feel like the, the heat of your muscles, right. Maybe it just needs to be like some strength routine or movement or um, you know, could be, could be cardio, but like what comes is actually strength, like doing some heavy set of, it's a squat or something, right. Mm-hmm. That gets the blood moving mm-hmm. that can actually then help facilitate that person's nervous system and being able to settle and soften a little bit more to then maybe sit in a little meditation or with a little breath work to, to be in a more embodied aware state to really? listen a little, to even listen a little deeper. It's like, we're revving up sometimes to mm-hmm. help us be able to more readily listen. I think sometimes that approach is needed. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, gosh, this is also popping up. You saying that made me think about like, you know, how with rolfing, we might test the movement. Like maybe I give your shoulders a little squish, right? See what's moving, where it's stuck. Give the rib cage a little gush. Give it a little gush, you know? So I'm like, ooh, this little, side's gushy or this side's not. I'm like, a little maybe, jiggle, you know? Maybe I need another word squish. other than gush. But no, yeah. <laughs> or jiggle. Um, but you do that and then you do your little intervention, whether it's a meditation breathing or a forearm into the, whatever it is. And mm. then you test it again and it, you feel the difference. Now, sometimes the client can really feel the difference too. Mm. And so like, I really use that a lot. 
And I have been getting people up in between sides so they can feel like, oh my gosh, that feels so different. I think that stuff is really important. And I really like to do just a teeny bit of work and then have them feel it because they're like, it doesn't really feel like you did anything, but I feel so different. And I think that that's so impactful Mm -hmm. to have that moment that we don't have to like, whether you're in yoga and you think you got to do your 90 minute practice every single day to reach whatever you're trying to reach, like sitting down in a chair and taking 10 deep breaths can be so healing. Completely. It can totally, that can shift your day. It always being hard. I sometimes think it always being hard as part of like this marketing pyramid scheme, you know, mm. that everybody's trying to <laughs> get us with. Yeah. Well, and it's, I think too, when it, 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 it increases the barrier to entry, it just makes the, the resistance to even do the thing or, you know, maybe we have a thousand tools in our head that we know might support us, but it can be hard to do them. Cause it's like, Oh, I have to go sit in my room alone for 30 minutes or I'll do the thing. It's like, no, sometimes it could just be a simple, yeah, like laying down on the floor for three minutes and just connecting with your breath. I'm often amazed at three minutes, how that shifts my state, how I'm feeling. Yeah, yeah. completely. Mm-hmm. So what Good would question. you, Alex, um, thank you for breaking that down. That was a hard question, but I appreciate you. I hope, yeah, I know. Yeah. Of course, I, I did read your questions beforehand, but I didn't really. I didn't give you that question before. I just made it. <laughs> I was curious from what you said. I was like, oh, that sounds really nice. How could that, you know, is it possible to elicit a similar experience of that without going into a Ralph's office? Um, What would be your like main tip or suggestion insight that you would give to someone who's wanting to live a more radically embodied life? Mm. Mm. Oh man, that's a big question. Um, Okay. Girl, let's keep it simple. Kiss. Keep it simple, silly. I have so many that my mind is a swarm with them. Like just simple ideas. So like feeling your feet in your shoes, I think for me is the easiest one, whether Mm. you're sitting or standing. And, um, you know, to choose like a neutral moment, like when you're doing your dishes, you know, can you, can you, can you do your dishes and can you feel your feet in your shoes? while Mm. you do your dishes you know and then you could get real nerdy and like can you do your dishes and can you feel your shoulders while you're you know because I think dishes are one of those things we're just trying to get through (laughs) it's like an annoying task that nobody really wants to do um and it you can just be like lost in your own mind and when you're doing the dishes, but it's actually such a great time to tune in and see like, what are my actual natural habits of in my body that I do? You know, you can learn so much. It's a great example. I love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And starting with your feet, you can feel into them anytime. Mm-hmm. Anytime. Feet in the shoes. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Alex, you do a lot of things. You are an artist, you're a Rolfer, yeah. you're a yoga therapist. Alex has amazing, phenomenal art. Where can folks find more about you? Where can they look, find your art? Where can they look at it? Yeah. So for my art, um, my artwork is on my website, which is flamingomedusa.com. And flamingomedusa is a little artistic 
alter ego that I created actually 14 years ago. It really oh, that that's was where the 14. 14 years ago. That's where the 14. <laughs> <laughs> And it's Medusa, but instead of snakes, she's got flamingos coming out of her head because mm, I just think it's so funny. I think I'm so clever and funny. Um, <laughs> and so she's she's on my website, but I also do landscapes and watercolors and all kinds of stuff. I've been painting since I was nine. Um, yeah. So that's... that's and then timetoalign.com is your other website. That's, yeah, that's my raw thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll have those in the show notes. So Flamingo Medusa, um, check out Alex's work. It's very clever. It's very fun. It's, and you have some beautiful watercolors. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah. And screen print tees and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, Alex, thank you. For- oh, yeah, thank you. Ahead. Well, I was going to say yesterday, Henry was at the rock climbing gym and he saw somebody wearing a Flamingo Medusa t-shirt oh, oh and it just God. made my day. So I bet, and what a sweet moment for him to be at the rock climbing and then see his mom's shirt on. Yeah. That's really cool. That's I know. Really I'm like cool. famous. So you are. Famous. Yeah, you are. Girl. <laughs> now this podcast and my t-shirt. So thanks so much. <laughs> um, you are so welcome. No, thank you, Alex. I appreciate you. I adore you. You're a delight. Um, it felt, it was like a gift to get to have you on here. So thanks for being on the podcast and everyone go check out Alex's work at Flamingo Medusa. And, um, hopefully, you know, I'm sure this, you had a lot that spoke to people. And so I hope that you kind of take to heart and just keep in the back of your mind, some of Alex's suggestions and perspectives. Um, you know, next time you're doing your dishes, you know, just feeling into various parts of your body and noticing what is that elicit noticing? What is that shift? If anything at all, and just, just staying in that state of curiosity. All right. Thanks again, Alex. Thanks everyone for tuning in and take care. Okay. Thanks. As always, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. If you haven't already, then I invite you to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast episodes at. That way, when a new episode drops, you will be automatically notified and it will let you know. And please share with your friends, your family, on social media, with anyone that you think that would enjoy or really be able to relate, resonate, or receive some insight and inspiration from this podcast. And if you're curious to learn more about my work, you can go to RadicalEmbodiment.com. All right, take care and see you in the next episode.